I'm Steve Shapiro, and this is Experience Matters. Welcome to Experience Matters, the podcast that explores the life-changing childhood experiences that go on to shape our adult identities. Sometimes we experience breakthrough learning in schools, but often our most profound learning happens outside the classroom, sometimes outside the school environment altogether. We'll explore those powerful learning experiences here and think about the implications for how we can reshape American schools. Education can take many forms, but whatever form it takes, experience matters. Today I'll be talking with Suzanne Goldsmith-Hirsch. Suzanne is a senior editor at Columbus Monthly Magazine and the author of two books, A City Year, a nonfiction account of a year in a community service program, and Washed Away, a young adult novel with environmental themes, and the winner of the 2014 Green Earth Book Award. Suzanne will be talking about a six-week project she did in eighth grade called The Urban Cycle. And what you're going to hear might surprise you. In fact, the Urban Cycle project seems unimaginable in the modern era of state standards and standardized testing. Groups of students had no traditional classes for six weeks. That's right, six weeks with no math class, no social studies or English, no science. Instead, young Suzanne and their classmates traveled into downtown Boston every day to partner with kids from a city school district in developing their own custom experiential learning program. You're about to find out about those six weeks and how they made an indelible imprint that still resonates with Suzanne decades later. Suzanne Goldsmith-Hirsch, welcome to Experience Matters. Thanks. Pleased to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you because I think your experience is so unique and I think it could really inform a lot of people as they think about what's possible in education. To, to begin, why don't you take us to the place? Like, Where did this all begin? Okay, yeah. I grew up in Concord, Mass., the uh, seat of the American Revolution, and a suburb of Boston. Economically speaking, it was probably quite similar to Bexley, but it was much farther out of the city. Kids rode their bikes a lot, but you really couldn't go anywhere important without your parents driving you. So you had this beautiful community, maybe a little bit secluded from the city, mm-hmm. and in eighth grade, the school, this is middle school, and middle school is such an interesting time in kids' lives. It's such a unique and special kind of part of kids' development. And your middle school had this really bold and, I think, amazing opportunity they created, the urban cycle. Tell us a little about this. This is the kind of the very unique culmination of a middle school experience. Yeah, I don't think I knew at the time how extraordinary it was, but looking back, it really was. We were organized in groups, I think they called them houses, So the same group of kids would take our classes together, English, social studies, math, whatever. And they carved out a whole chunk of the school year right in the middle of the winter. It was about six weeks um, where we didn't have any classes at all. We got on a bus every morning together, this group of, I think there were about 15 of us, and drove into the city. We went to Charlestown, Massachusetts, which is just north of Boston. It's really part of Boston, but it's a white working class, also old and historic, Um, but there was a very different class background for the students there. Yeah, and and just to clarify, no classes for six weeks. During this six weeks, you're not taking math, you're not taking science, nothing. No classes, nothing. This is six weeks of intensive, this is your focus. Yep. And Charlestown is very different than Concord. It's very different, yeah. It's it's urban, it's gritty, and it felt like a, a really different place. It was a place that most of us had never been. Do you remember as a kid, what did it feel like when you thought, like, I'm going to Charlestown? this place that you might have had some notion or to downtown Boston. I think we're a little scared of it, to be honest. 
you know, my experience of downtown Boston was going to a show with my parents and we would go to this district called the Combat Zone. That was where the theaters were, but it's also where the strip clubs were and the crime. And so we thought of Boston as a kind of place where you have to hold your wallet tight. And we knew that the kids were going to be kind of mm, tougher than us. Yeah. That's how we felt. We were a little nervous around them. Yeah. So you're these kind of suburban, upper middle income kids coming down to this kind of rougher downtown part mm-hmm. of uh, part of Boston. And, w- and when you get there... What was your charge? Like they said, oh, we're going for six weeks. What are we doing there? Uh, we were supposed to learn about the city and we were supposed to choose our own field of interest and pursue it. So we divided up into groups and chose an interest. Mine was communication, surprisingly enough, given that I turned out to be a writer. And uh, we would create our own sort of course of studies with the city as our textbook. So we would go create field trips to places that interest it. Now, when you say create field trips, what what do you mean by that? Well, we would contact somebody and try and get a tour or a chance to get in the building and meet people. And sometimes we would end up taking a very formal tour. Other times we would have a very kind of authentic experience, like sitting in a courtroom all day and watching all the cases that went through. So you're a 13-year-old kid, and you're getting on the phone trying to set up opportunities for you and a group of other 13-year-old kids and some 13-year-old kids from a neighboring school that's very different from yours. You're in charge of putting together this curriculum. Right. That's a pretty heady thing for a 13-year-old. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And I think what what struck me the most was the sense of trust that the adults had in us, that we could create something that would be useful. I don't remember anybody telling us, no, that's not a place you can go. You know, that's that's not appropriate. They, They just sort of said, have at it. And we figured out how to do it. We worked in groups. We somehow we collaborated, and it, and it all worked out. So now I know this is a long time ago, but you still had some memorable things. I mean, here we are, whatever it is, 40 yeah. years later, you still remember going to the courthouse. What are some other things that you and your classmates organized for, for this group yeah. of kids? One thing that I really, uh, that stuck with me was I organized, or I, perhaps with some others, organized a field trip to the Boston Globe and the Boston Phoenix, which was the... Columbus Alive or the other paper of Boston. It was the alternative newspaper. And um, I actually read, uh, I have a yearbook from it, and I read some kids' accounts of the, of the experience, and they, they matched my memory, which was that the Globe was a, a very corporate environment. I don't think we got to talk to reporters. We took a tour, and we learned about the printing presses, and that was interesting. But at the Boston Phoenix, the alternative paper, we kind of wandered the halls. There were things on the floor that you could trip over, and, and people would just sort of roll their chairs back from their desks and talk to us, and we could ask them whatever we were interested in, and, and they would just engage with us because you know, we, were, we were kids that were interested in what they do. Your, your curiosity was really guiding the experience. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, there was writing on the walls. I remember a hole that someone had punched in the wall. And I thought, this is a job? This is a thing you can do? People, people do this all day? Yeah. This is a cool place. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it was sort of an aspirational experience for me, oddly. Yeah, that's interesting. And while you're in Boston, how are you getting around? They gave us, it seems to me, we had unlimited tokens to ride the, the T, it's called the MBTA uh, subway in Boston. And that was another thing that we were that was really new to us, and we had to learn to navigate it. And I don't remember really ever riding with teachers with us. We we just got on in small groups and looked at the maps and figured out where to go. And you have to remember that we didn't have iPhones and there was no internet. We couldn't get a route. We had to kind of trace our finger on the map and 
see how to get from one place to another. And we learned how to do that. And it was really one of the most <laughs> exciting and freeing experiences to learn that you could use public transportation to get anywhere that you wanted and that you could feel safe there in your groups. And uh, it was very empowering. Yeah. As you talk, I just think about the unbelievable collection of skills that you were learning, whether it's reaching out to adults to set up these tours, whether it's learning to navigate a public yeah. subway system, the collaboration. I mean, what an extraordinary collection of real life skills that you were getting a chance to really experiment with as a young person. Yeah. And all along it, it felt like an adventure. So that was another aspect of it that that made it memorable for me. We felt we felt free, we felt trusted, and, and we were having fun the whole time. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bexley talks about engage, equip, and empower. This sounds like a really engaging, equipping, and empowering six weeks of experience for an eighth grade kid. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And it stuck with me all yeah. these years. Like, how do you think you changed as you went through that process when you were done, again, a long time ago, but like, how do you think you emerged from those six weeks different than you went into it? I think I... Felt more socially confident coming out, both because of the experience of having to coordinate with adults for to de develop our, our trips and our experiences. Also because we worked in groups and I coordinated with kids that I know knew and kids that I didn't know. And I have to say, there was a lot of initial awkwardness with between us and the Charlestown kids. Here were these conquered kids uh, from a sheltered environment coming in. And I, I, I read through this yearbook that I was telling you about. And um, w one of the Charlestown kids, it, it's excerpts from people's journals. One of the Charlestown kids wrote that the first day, the, they didn't like the conquered kids because the conquered kids said anything they touched was going to give them hepatitis. And they thought you were snooty. They thought we were snooty. Um, and there may have been a hepatitis outbreak. I don't know where we got that idea. But for it was probably the idea of getting sick was probably a stand-in for our fear right. that, we, that we had of this new environment and these kids that we didn't know yet or know what they were like or what they would think of us. But we negotiated that, and we ended up, you know, as friends. And so there was, in addition to all the kind of independence that came with it, there was this really like a cross-cultural experience, the yeah. learning of like crossing socioeconomic boundaries and realizing that maybe a city and a group of people who might have occurred to you as other or scary or foreign somehow right. became, by the end of six weeks, familiar and comfortable. Right. And as I look back, I really think this must have been one of my first experiences with that. And it's a skill that I have to use in my work all the time as a journalist because I'm constantly going to events and, and asking people to talk to me who have who are doing something very different from anything that I've experienced and just sort of bursting in and and being nosy. Right. And the seeds of those skills were planted in I think so. Eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Probably people are listening, and granted, okay, it was the 70s, but people are probably thinking, boy, Concord must have been a really radically progressive school district. They must have been so out of the box. I think a lot of people may assume, was it a private school, not a public school? Was Concord some kind of like crazy, hippie, out-of-the-box place as no. a school system? <laughs> no. I mean, I would say Concord was probably a politically progressive town. Uh, but the school district was your, it was, it was Bexley. It was one of the top districts in the state with the best scores and, and, you know, and very proud of the success of its graduates. Um, it was the 1970s. So there was a fair amount of experimentation going on. So were you doing like out of the box stuff like this all the time? Uh, no, 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 we weren't. Yeah. It was interesting when we talked, you, you described 
Concord having this interesting combination of really intense traditional academics, but then this also set of really non-traditional experiential opportunities for kids. Yeah. In uh, elementary school, I had I had one really traditional classroom that was strict and and you know sort of numbers oriented and then the next year I moved into a classroom where everything flowed and I could spend hours at a time you know teaching myself macrame and then teaching other kids how to do macrame right. that was part of that was part of the school day so you had this balance of these this kind of really intense traditional academic training plus this set of really unique experiential opportunities and yeah I mean, hand in hand, it was kind of left and right hand for you. You were learning certain things that were important in one and other very different things. I guess. One thing they had in common always was that uh, was this journal writing element. There was always a reflection aspect. And I wrote about this with the um, with the urban cycle. We had to spend um, half an hour after at the end of each day writing in our journals about what happened. Excellent. So I, I think about this now and I think this this is possible. We could still do this. But I think there are a couple of big objections and I'd be interested in your reaction to them. I think some people might say this is too much to ask for an eighth grader. This is too much responsibility to give them. They're, they're kids. They can't handle this. You're asking them to do things that adult, adults do. Uh, how would you respond to, to that potential concern? I think you don't know until you try. You know, um, kids will always uh, surprise you with their, their capacities. I really think that our success in this was, in some measure, a function of the trust that the adults placed in us. And... I'm grateful for that. I feel like when when you expect kids not to be able to do something, they'll live down to that expectation. And if you expect them to do something, they'll live up to it. So giving giving kids a chance to do something powerful and adult-like brought you to, you kind of, you rose to the occasion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think others would say, how could we give up six weeks of classroom instruction? I mean, in this standards era, I think teachers always feel like there's so much to teach. We've got to cover so much material. We, if we give up six weeks, we, we're not going to be able to cover everything. And how would you respond to that? Just the fact that this is literally, besides the, um, the order of the prepositions in alphabetical order, this is the one thing that I remember from my middle school, my three years of middle school. It made the most impression on me. I'm sure I learned other things that I have u- used in my life and that they flowed into things I learned in high school, but um, nothing was as valuable as this. Sometimes we think about learning in these sort of discrete little pieces of information we get, but I think ultimately great education is formative. It helps us develop into who we are. It helps us mm-hmm. design the architecture of our of our future lives. And this event, this six weeks certainly played into the architecture of laid the tracks for the for the rest of your life yeah yeah i feel sad for kids who feel like they're they they have to meet certain marks we i don't think we felt that as much in the 70s you know we had ap tests for instance but we didn't have any ap classes we didn't prep for them it was just a test you took at the end of high school and i was lucky to have parents who were very supportive of my own directing my learning so i can remember my father saying to me if there's something that you should feel like you should be doing today other than school that you would learn more from, I'll be happy to write you a note. Wow. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. That was the 70s. Yeah. Imagine the experience of learning didn't hinder you too much. You got into Harvard. You did well there. Uh, so, you know, it seemed like you were academically prepared in spite yeah. of spending six weeks doing this and not with uh, your head in a textbook. How did this affect you when you came out of school and when you started looking for work? Did your experience doing this either inform what you were interested in doing or make you more interesting to people who were looking to hire? I think a little bit of both. When I came out of school, I applied for a job at WGBH, which is the public television 
station in Boston. And um, surprisingly, it, it was at a uh, documentary series about the neighborhoods of Boston. Um, and wow. the first neighborhood <laughs> covered was Charleston. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, I got this job as a production assistant. And the producer later told me that he wasn't necessarily inclined to hire a young woman from the suburbs who went to an Ivy League school, but he he saw in my letter a, a degree of curiosity about the neighborhoods of Boston and 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 a kind of a willingness to learn um, and a sense that there could be narratives that would emerge from those places that would be interesting that stood out for him. Yeah. So I've got to assume that that came from that experience. Yeah, that was born of the urban cycle. Yeah. 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 You know, that's really an ironic first job to take that was kind of like extending that, that eighth grade project yeah. uh, even further. Yeah. Uh, and then you went on to do other, I know your first book was about working. Youth service. Working, yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the thing, one of the themes in my career that I, I might be able to trace back to this experience is a willingness or even a desire to jump into some kind of a new situation. Sometimes it manifests a little bit as restlessness. Um, I, I, I understand. I tend to w- move from one thing to the next, but I'm always following my heart. And um, so a couple years out of college, I got interested in youth community service. I knew I maybe could write something about it, but I knew I also didn't have the the experience or the, the firsthand knowledge to be able to speak authentically or with any kind of authenticity about urban issues. So I moved to New York and took a job, you know, supervising a crew of kids from really tough backgrounds doing uh, doing community service work full time in places like Bed Stuy and the South Bronx um, in yeah. Staten Island. Yeah, you, you weren't in Concord anymore. <laughs> no, wasn't in Concord no. anymore. It was the hardest job of my entire life, honestly. But yeah. it was also probably the most enriching. Uh, and I went on to be so interested in how service affects people who do service, um, and the the opportunity that there might be there to uh, bring people together across social and economic, racial, cultural boundaries um, that I in- decided to join this program called City Year, which your, re- your listeners are probably familiar with because we have it here. Started in Boston and spent a year uh, serving with a group of kids and wrote a book about their yeah. year together. But which which might have mirrored some of your journal entries from your... From right, your from my own experience cycle, yeah. as a li- team leader in my urban cycle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's fantastic. So you, you told me a story that really stuck with me. You talked about going with some Bexley students to Bronzeville mm-hmm. and uh and and the the experience of being in Bronzeville with Bexley kids bringing up some memory of your yeah eighth grade there was a moment that so there was the eighth grade sort of community service day I think and they went for a learning and reflection experience to learn about the Kinglington Bronzeville neighborhood and there was a moment when they stood on the steps of a church that was right bordering the highway really and looked across the highway that was that had been laid down in the middle of this neighborhood to across it where the street was where people would have come from to go to church there before the the highway came in and just standing on that steps i felt and i could see on the faces of the kids the real impact of that kind of urban re- redevelopment that happened and that and the the way it could change life in a neighborhood and it was the standing there and the looking across, the the being on site that was really the most powerful aspect of it. And I, I kind of wished for them that this pr- this 
program could go on for a lot more days yeah. than it was. The, the, the no PowerPoint or lecture could have given them that same sense of right. how a highway can divide a community as, as did standing there. Yeah. And, and saying you yearned for them to have, like, if, if only they could be there longer, maybe spend right. time Because it was kids. a brief tour, basically. Yeah. But yeah. they did have a compelling moment for, for that I you know, thought was wonderful. Yeah. I, I guess the final question I want to ask you is, this mattered to you. It made an impact on you. I guess sometimes the proof is always in the pudding of like, as a parent, how did doing this kind of experience affect the way you wanted your kids' education to be? And, and to what degree do you want them to have this kinds of experiences that you had in the Concord schools? I think it manifested uh, at a couple points. When my kids were in fourth and sixth grade, we had an opportunity to go and live in Amsterdam. For, uh, for a semester when uh, my husband Dennis had a sabbatical. And I felt absolutely no reluctance to pull them out of school. I mean, they were nervous. It's a, it was a, it's a rough moment socially to take a child out of their social setting. But I was just so excited to give them that opportunity of learning in a different place and meeting new kids. It, in a sense, it was their urban cycle probably because they had to get on bicycles and ride several miles across Amsterdam to school which they did alone after the first week or so without me. I think it was life-changing for them. And probably the second time was, was when Clara was thinking about joining Mosaic. Yeah, but Mosaic is a high school humanities program for intellectually curious kids, downtown Columbus, kids from all different neighborhoods, not just Bexley kids, but kids from, uh, from other neighbors, neighborhoods, different, more racially and socioeconomically diverse community. Yeah, and they use the, they use the city as their classroom. And... Uh, there were some people at the school who raised some concern uh, about that because they were afraid that she might, um, or they raised the question for me as to whether she would hurt her college prospects by not being in classes that were graded, um, uh, you know, above a four point. <laughs> but the sense was, if you get off this sort of AP track, you might you might hurt yourself in the long run, and and I was sure that she wouldn't. And she didn't. She, she didn't. She, she had she, a great academic career. She probably. did okay. She, yeah. she went to Columbia yeah. uh, and, and yeah. is doing great as, yeah. as an adult. So I think about this experience you had, Suzanne, and I think about what is possible, like what we could create for kids in an education. And I know probably a lot of people listen to this story and think, oh my gosh, that is beyond imagination. Like in this day and age, it's simply impossible. But I guess I would challenge listeners to think what is really possible? what really would be lost by stepping off the track and giving kids an intensive, in-depth, kind of powerful experience like this, and what could be gained. I think when we put that on the table, it might open us up to think about what if we took some bigger chances to give kids bigger learning opportunities? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for talking. It's really a pleasure to talk with you about this. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. It was, it's been fun to reflect on that experience and how it, how it, change my life in some ways. A trip down memory lane. Thanks yeah. a lot, Suzanne. Experience Matters is recorded in Bexley, Ohio, in the shadow of downtown Columbus. Our producer and sound engineer is Ezra Lewis, a junior at Bexley High School. Our killer theme music was written and performed by Isaac Rowe, a Bexley High School graduate and current music student at The Ohio State University. Experience Matters is supported by the Bexley Community Foundation and the Bexley Public Library. My name is Steve Shapiro, and you can look me up on Twitter at Stephen T. Shapiro or on my website at stephentshapiro.com. Here's a secret to life that I've shared with thousands of students and, of course, with my own children. There is no such thing as an interesting person 
There are just people who do interesting things. You can be one of them. All you have to do is seek out and say yes to new experiences.